Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're thankful for the reasons it's the best part of the fall. The crossover of seasons, football. Thank you very much. Giving. Boom, the boys are back, and we have a fun Friday conversation for you guys. He is not only the most stylish man in all of college football media, he is not only the best big Jay Journo who fall or covers college football. He is an award-winning journalist nowadays with a fancy football trophy to prove it it is one of my favorite people i've ever gotten to talk to and one of the best parts about this podcast is that he follows me on twitter i don't know how long that's gonna last but it is it's been happening for like over a year now so is the man the myth the legend everyone's favorite shahan shahan welcome back i know you're just on with a kansas city sports talk radio but i like to think you and i are like friends it's not just a business relationship so i like to think I'm your favorite person to talk to who's based in the greater Kansas City metro. You know, I, I definitely think that you'd have to be up there. Uh, I will say, though, um, Surrend and the boys, that one of their sponsors is actually sending me free barbecue. So I, I don't know. They, they, you're in trouble. I, I'll, that's oh, all I'm saying. Okay, so uh, Charlie Hustle sponsors the show. Uh, not a bathe night, but m- much more comfortable. <laughs> I think even more uh, fashionable. And way more comfortable. So I can get you some Charlie Hustle stuff <laughs> and Manhattan Brewing Company. So it's illegal to mm. ship be- beer through USPS. But if you're ever in Manhattan 
or the, if you're in Kansas City, you let me know. I will have a case of Manhattan Brewing Company beer for you as well. So I will not be outbid by Seren. I will hook you up with my sponsors as well. Man, I I uh, I really should have started this bidding war earlier. This is a great idea. Well, he doesn't know I exist, so it's probably good that like he got his bid out there and I can do whatever I need to. Um, but let, let's get into it. I You know, I always say, hey, 30 minutes and then I take an hour. I'm going to try to stick closer to it. Uh, but I want to talk about K-State first. I, I know you're a Baylor graduate. Big showdown this weekend. We'll talk about them in a second. But uh, what can you tell me? Because I was violently crying and vomiting after the Texas game, throwing a fit like a toddler. Uh, K-State now has three one-possession losses versus current college football playoff top 15 teams. And I'm constantly having to argue with Andy Mitz, host of the Rock Chalk podcast and a member over at 1012 uh, because he likes to talk bad about K-State. Please make me feel good about myself and say, hey, K-State's really good. And they're three possessions away from being the college football playoff number one team in the nation. (laughs) So I will say, right, like I think that Kansas State has been about what we expected, maybe like 5% behind what we expected. Nothing concerning to me. Um, You know, obviously the way that they played that first half versus Texas, I was a little worried that they were going to lose the rope there. But, uh, you know, they they held on. They they did a good job. And obviously, Will Howard was kind of able to to come back and have a really, really good second half. You know, I think for me, right, like Texas might be at a point right now where – they are like what they're supposed to be, right? Where they are a legitimate team that can compete and maybe potentially win a game in the college football playoff. So, you know, I think to go on the road and take them to overtime, and uh, I, I don't know if you guys have already talked about the decision to to go for the touchdown. Or... I I have, I, I spent like 30 minutes uh, immediately after because I, I flew out to Las Vegas to see the basketball team the next Sunday morning. And I, what's your take on it? Because, Everything Chris Kleiman has said doesn't kind of jive. Like, first off, I, I, I'm i reverse. I would have gone for it instead of the first field goal, which he missed. Has nothing to do with him missing it. I was saying, go yeah. for it, go for it, go for it. When they called the timeout, I was like, please, God, please change your mind to kick the field goal. Uh, so for, you're, you're, you don't have emotion tied to it. When you're watching that game, what were your thoughts on those two decisions? Well, so I think that for me, I – I mean, I think that in my mind, the first one, you have to kick the field goal just because you think that you're sending the game to overtime. Obviously, that doesn't work out that way. But um, I think that when I look at that fourth down, I mean, you're four yards out. That's not a short conversion. If it's if it's for if it's fourth and two for, uh, needing goal to go, then maybe I'm feeling a little better about it. But that's just a that's a lot of space. Like even a pretty good play might not get you four yards. And I think the other part about it that was a little frustrating is I look at how Kansas State defended Texas the drives before. I, I mean, I had zero faith that Texas was going to be able to score a touchdown in overtime. I mean, we they got what one yard on their first overtime drive, and their issue this whole season has been red zone offense, and you're basically starting in the red zone. So to me, I felt like Kansas State had been the better team for the second half, and 
I didn't feel like they needed to play like an underdog at that point. So I wouldn't have gone for it. I, I think it's a defensible decision and look, the play got blown up. It, it you know, the, the play going bad doesn't mean it was the wrong decision, but I certainly would have uh, probably have just kicked the field goal. Cause I think that Kansas state could have scored a touchdown the next time down. Yeah. And weird enough, he said in his press conference on Tuesday, he was going to go for it if he was inside the eight. So even three mm. yards back, he was saying like, mm. I, Don't I agree. like that. I I agree. He also said that the wind is the only uh, determining factor, whether he defers or takes the ball on the coin flip, which is another thing that I, what? J- yeah, I know. I know. He, cause he was asked about, it. he's like, you finally <laughs> deferred winning the, what, what was the reason he goes, Oh, we, we always make our decision on the wind. I think he's lying. I hope he's lying. I hope he's just <laughs> lying. Uh, but those are really the only two complaints I have with Chris Kleiman all in all yes, um, yes, yes. removing myself. I'm like, all right, programs going in the right spot again is there another team in america who's played three top 15 teams on the road this year Ooh, that's a good question I, mean, uh, I don't think I, so arizona i'm trying to think if they've played three they've played a couple they've played some really good teams i mean that's that's a tough you know especially when you're talking about the playing multiple of these teams that are now in the top 15 i mean that's that's yeah. a tough ask not very many teams have done that for sure and again, uh, you feel hard done by two of them, and really you played so bad for Oklahoma State. But, you know, moving forward, uh, rest of this season, uh, you know, if, if they can win out, you have the two rivalry games at the end of the season. We have the Baylor game we'll touch about here in a little bit. For an outsider, you had K-State as someone who could get to Arlington. It's going to take some sort of weird, you know, medieval black magic to get there. Uh, so I'm not I'm not thinking it's going to, but if they go nine and three in the regular season and then win their bowl game, would you call that a successful season, uh, a failure of a season, disappointing but success? Or Scott, why are you even asking me this question? <laughs> I'd call that a successful year. I think that in this sport, uh, I mean, unless you're one of like five programs, you cannot scoff at ten win seasons just in general, and. Again, all of the losses don't feel, I mean, they all felt bad in the moment, of course, but like none of them are indefensible, right? I mean, the Oklahoma State game, you're just like, okay, well, I guess it ended up being a really good team. The Missouri game, like Kansas State probably should have won the game and they just, you know, it was a 62 yard field goal that swung the game. So for me, I think that I would still consider that to be a successful season. I think it sets you up really well still heading forward. It should still be a pretty good bowl game. It should still be a pretty good bowl opponent. And, uh, you know, again, the, the thought was that, okay, well, maybe Kansas State can be that second team. They might end up being that third team, and that's not a bad place to be. All right, and then uh, last thing on K-State specifically, looking forward into the future of this program. I know everyone's trying to say, who's the next Oklahoma of the Big 12? I don't think it's going to be. I think it, I think the Big 12, I think this is just a taste of what the new Big 12 is going to be this year, I, and I think it's amazing. Um, but stock up and down, it, does K-State have the foundation for what you think, hey, again, not making it to Arlington five out of six years, but – could they be one of those standard bearers for this new Big 12 conference? Or do you think there has been anything glaring that would say, hey, you know, I'm going to pump the brakes on that a little bit as we go to this new 16-team version? Well, so I I want to go back to kind of the beginning of the Big 12 title game. And every single year, there's been a team that's essentially ridden close game luck to, to make it to Arlington. And last year was TCU more than it was Kansas State. But, you know, that was TCU. Uh, the year before 
that you can say Baylor in 2021 in 2020 it was Iowa State in 2019 it was a different Baylor team in 2018 it was Texas 2017 was TCU and you look back at the years after almost every one of those teams went six and seven or seven and six like it is really hard to put together back-to-back elite seasons and Kansas State doesn't have the 11 or 12 uh win season of course but they're going to put together back-to-back 10-win seasons and with a, with a Big 12 title on there as well. So I think that that speaks really well to their ability to reload, even after losing uh, their best player on offense and defense. Now, look, I think you're absolutely right. The reality is there is not going to be a Texas or Oklahoma in this new league. It's just it's not going to happen. I think uh, there's going to be a group of five to six teams that are in it most years. There's going to be a group of three to four that uh, maybe have up and down, you know, where an up is competing for the title game, a down is maybe competing for bowl eligibility. And then there's going to be some teams that maybe can't hang. And I think almost anybody can end up anywhere uh, just with the way that this league looks. I mean, there's one or two that I think will probably end up in some and not the other but I do think that Kansas State is in very good position to be in that top group with uh, Utah with Oklahoma State as long as Mike Gundy's there I think that one of Baylor TCU at least is going to find their way back into that group uh and you know obviously we'll kind of see what happens with Arizona and Colorado and um, and even the four newcomers I don't think they're going to be this bad forever so um you know it'll be a really competitive conference uh, but I think that Kansas State, year in and year out, as long as Chris Kleiman's the coach, and really, I mean, organizationally, with, with with what they've built over the course of, you know, an athletic administration more than just a coaching staff, I, I think they're going to be in really good shape. All right, before we get your take on the Baylor Bears, we're going to talk about one of those great sponsors, Charlie Hustle. Look, I know I know you're a Baylor graduate, but you're a big J. You can't be rocking green, you know, all over the state of Texas. But they have a Big 12 Kansas City Skyline shirt that you would look great in. Because, of course, the Big 12, while it's headquartered in Dallas, its spiritual home will always be in Kansas City. That's where Charlie Hustle's located. That's where the Big 12 tournament's going to be. Look, if you don't have one of those, I get it. It's weird to rep your conference that hard. But you know what? The shirt looks great, especially if you're from Kansas City, if you're in the Kansas City area. Check it out. Also, all sorts of different teams. Every single current Big 12 school except for Cincinnati, they already have Colorado. So if you need some gifts this holiday season, get them a Charlie Hustle t-shirt. Or if you really like them, Check out their Charlie Hustle jackets. Again, Sean, you know, maybe get like a master's degree, an honorary doctorate from K-State, rock around a lavender Kansas State varsity jacket from Charlie Hustle. I mean, look, I I know you're a man of style, but I think that would take you to the next level. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, this was something that got me into a little bit of trouble when I was a a student at Baylor. Purple is, in fact, my favorite color. So, you know, that's good to know. (laughs) That probably did get you in (laughs) trouble down at, at Baylor. Let's talk about your alma mater. Uh, Look, I I convinced myself as we were getting into the season, I think we even talked about this before the season started. I convinced myself, you know what? I I was sleeping on Baylor. And even going into week one, I'm like, look, this might be a nine-win team. Dave Aranda's good. He's going to turn this around. And then uh, it's been a disaster basically week after week for Baylor. What has gone wrong in Waco, Texas? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, I – Certainly didn't feel confident in a true projection when it came to Baylor this offseason, but no hypothetical consideration 
for what's happening. Like, like, put in a simple words, I could never have seen this coming. It has been so much worse than I think anybody thought. And the Texas State loss, you know, that that obviously was a harbinger of things to come. But I think that even from there, it's gotten worse. You know, the, the big issue for them is that their offensive line has just collapsed, has just completely imploded. They lost a lot of key players off of uh, their last two teams, and they just haven't found a way to replace them. They brought in some transfers to kind of fill some spots. They've been pretty bad, if I'm being honest. There's actually been a little bit of a youth movement, so they're, they got some guys who are starting to figure things out a little bit, but they're not they're not ready, right? Like, they're not guys who necessarily are going to compete in big games. And I think that you can say a lot of the same on defense. You know, they brought back a couple of fifth and sixth year seniors on the defensive line, and they have just been non-factors. And, you know, you just see them week after week, uh, get run over essentially this is one of the worst rushing defenses in all of college football uh you know and after struggling against the pass last year so things have kind of just regressed everywhere for Baylor after uh you know in Dave Aranda's fourth year and I think that's probably the worst quality in terms of evaluating Aranda who obviously is a brilliant football mind is that the just the locker room seems dead right now. Everybody seems disengaged. Uh, I mean, this is as low as I can remember sort of Baylor having uh, at times in, in a very long time. I mean, maybe, you know, outside of you know the scandal, literally, I, I mean, it's as low as, as I've ever seen. Cause even during the, the one in 11 season under Matt rule, it was obvious, like we're playing a lot of young guys. We're building towards something. Nobody's ready yet, but like, you know, we're building, this doesn't feel like that. You know, they've got several upperclassmen playing. They've got a quarterback in in Blake Shapin, who I think is a good player. Uh, and it's just every single game is just a slog. And losing to Houston last week might have been the lowest of all of the moments so far this season. Although we'll see whether Kansas State can give them an even lower moment this week. So something I didn't realize until Chris Kleiman made sure to say it like 17 times during his press conference is that Baylor's 2-0 and on the road this year. First off, I mean, I guess I'm surprised that they've only played two road games at this point in the year, uh, but that's just a product of who they played, right? It was UCF where that meltdown happened, and was it Cincinnati as well? Yes, There's no yes. secret sauce to Baylor on the road, right? No, no. I mean, they do play a little bit more motivated on the road because I think they're just like, they know how dead everybody who's supporting them is around them, I feel like. But no, I don't think that there's like a, a secret sauce necessarily. All right. And then the last thing specifically on Baylor before we talk a little bit about the game that's happening on Saturday, how does this get fixed? It, can Dave Aranda turn it around? Is he at risk if they don't win another game this season to getting fired? I, I've had a million Big 12 coaches on the hot seat. I tried to fire Neil Brown before the season started. He's going to be fine. I tried to fire uh, uh, oh, Gus Malzondi out UCF. And then 23 hours later, he's getting a brand new contract. Uh, now I kind of, I'm trying to fire Holgerson. I just love coach carousel stuff. So I want something in the big 12. Uh, so should I be talking about Aranda on the hot seat? I just like the guy too much to really put him there. Uh, but maybe me doing that would mean Baylor uh, wins out. So I'm not going to do it till after the K-State game. I'm, I'm not going to touch it till after then. Uh, but how does Baylor turn this around? No, it's a good question. So I think, first of all, like you said, th this is one of those where it's like, 
nobody feels good about the fact that Dave Miranda is is on the hot seat. And he's absolutely on the hot seat right now. I I do think that Baylor fans at this point want him gone. But like I think that they're kind of done with this. Uh I don't think it's going to happen this offseason. I think that they're going to ultimately uh try to revamp that offensive coaching staff and uh, and try to bring Aranda back. I mean, this is one of the weirder like situations in college football because Dave Aranda, you can make the case that three of his four years at Baylor are bad, right? The, the two and seven year during the pandemic, which I think people will fairly throw out. Uh, well, and you're great- welcome for it not being one and eight, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then you then on top of that, you have the best season in Baylor history, a top five Sugar Bowl, Big 12 title. Like, how, how do you weigh those two things against each other? And so, you know, last year, I would consider to be a disappointing year. I wouldn't necessarily consider it to be a bad year. This was a bad year. Right. This is this is a miserable year. Um, I think that. You know, after the 2021 season, a lot of people came calling for Dave Aranda. A lot of programs wanted to hire Dave Aranda, and they managed to hold on. They they managed to keep him around. He signed uh, a contract through, I believe, 2029. Uh, it would, I'm sure, have a sizable buyout. You know, the it, it's conjecture at this point, but the number that I've heard a little bit is around like 15 million dollars. So you know, not totally prohibitive but a very like you don't want to have to pay it if you don't have to yeah it's not mel tucker money which he's not <laughs> no get. no 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 and so you know it, it's something that's doable but it would also set back everything else you're doing uh in terms of trying to build up infrastructure and nil and all this sort of stuff so i think that they're very likely to bring him back next year uh but again weird situation right he has fired coordinators on both sides of the ball if he fires his offensive coordinator now this will be his third offensive coordinator in five years so i mean you know it it is fair to ask uh does he deserve that chance to fix it but this is also the the reason that you have buyouts as a head coach is because you want people to think about whether it's a it makes sense to fire you so he'll be back next year i'm fairly sure of that i mean you know, look, if, if things completely collapse, I, I don't know, you know, if, if they get beat 63 to three in all of their next three games and maybe he won't be, but I anticipate him back next year and uh, he's going to get another chance to try to fix his offense. Before we talk a little bit specifically about the K-State Baylor game, I mentioned them earlier, our second sponsor, Manhattan Brewing Company, the best brewery in the state of Kansas. I'm going to be stopping in before the K-State Bellarmine game, Bellarmine. I don't even know. It's a school in Louisville that just became Division One, playing them in basketball, 7 p.m. on Friday, the day this will release. I'm going to stop in for a couple pints, and I'm going to buy a couple four-packs so I can be the most popular guy at my tailgate on Saturday for that 2 p.m. kickoff versus the Baylor Bears. They have the best tap room. Vibes are immaculate. And, yes, they're distributing all across the state of Kansas, including Tang Party. That's right. Get the beer named after Jerome Tang. And, Sean, they named that beer after him before he even coached a single game. That's how love, that's how Jerome Tang took over Manhattan before the ball even went up in his first game. So get a Tang Party. That, that's what I'll, That's why I'll try to make sure I get to you. Whether it's by legal or illegal means, I hope the FBI isn't listening. I'm going to try to get you a Tang Party beer uh, because I know you're a fan of Jerome Tang as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Baylor owes a whole lot to him on their basketball team, man. Well, they sure looked good uh, up at, what was it, the the Pentagon? Yeah, the, the Sioux Falls Pentagon. Yeah, the yeah, Pentagon. yeah. Okay. 
I want K State to play up there. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I think South Dakota is more my speed than Las Vegas. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, so I want to see if Jerome Tang can get a game up there. Plus, I love all the lines on the court and all that stuff. Uh, but looking at Saturday, uh, look, I, 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 I knew K State was going to be a heavy favorite. I was a little surprised by the number, and then I saw our friend Parker Fleming's, uh, you know, CFB charts breakdown. I was like, oh man. So Baylor's even worse than I thought they were going to be. Um, for K-State to win it, I mean, tell me tell me what you think. Does it just show up and play, or is there any, like, one or two things that you, you would say, hey, K-State needs to accomplish this to avoid any sort of upset? Yeah, so mostly show up. That that's that should mostly handle it. Um, I do think that for them, they need to avoid mistakes through the passing game. The one bright spot of this defense especially has been Baylor's cornerbacks. They've got some young kids in there who are playing at a high level. Caden Jenkins is, is a name that you might see a couple of times or not because he might be covering somebody up. But I think that, um, you know, for Kansas State, they just need to attack the middle of that Baylor defense. Run behind Cooper, BB. Don't, don't complicate things. And I, I think that they're going to be in good shape on the offensive side of the ball. You know, defensively, I, I think that – you know, Baylor has some juice in the passing game. So I think that it's going to be more about trying to make Blake Shapen uncomfortable. You know, they especially on, on Blake Shapen's right side, they've struggled to block. If they're able to get him on the move, if they're able to get him second guessing himself, uh, you know, one of the, like, I think that Blake Shapen's a really good player, um, you know, and I think that uh, he could have a future at the next level. But one thing that happens is that when he's under major pressure, uh, his fundamentals slip. And so if if Kansas State is able to get to him early and often, I think that that's going to play a big part. I, I mean, the, the script for this game is basically what Kansas State did last year in a 38-3 to victory that honestly could have been 5 million to 3 because Baylor wasn't going to stop them. And uh, I, I think that this game is going to look a whole lot like that. Honestly, I saw, I think, that the line opened at 16.5, I believe it was, and I was – my first thought was I'd probably consider betting thing anything under 25. Like, I think that it's going to be that kind of game. So if you're going to, you know, look at your phone, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this is a game. Uh, and, and you go to the box score, you t- turn on ESPN plus, what would Baylor have to accomplish? What would be the, oh, okay. You know, this makes a little sense why the game's closer. Oh, this makes sense why Baylor maybe pulled off the upset. And then I cancel Bosco's boys and I never do this show ever again. Uh, what what could cause me to go into an early retirement from the podcast game? <laughs> so I think that the biggest thing is it would be on the back, I think, of Blake Shapen. I think that, you know, you look at him, he he's playing at a pretty high level right now, and they have more offensive weapons at receiver than they did last year. Keetron Jackson's a player who he's he's been dealing with some injuries, but but he should, I think, be back for this game. Um, you know, he's a big body outside receiver that Baylor hasn't had since Denzel Mims you probably have to say uh Monterey Baldwin has struggled with drops a little bit but he is like when he gets his hands together he he is going to be a really really dynamic player in the big 12 he's just a speedster he's a good route runner uh, a track guy and and so I think that he has the potential to maybe break off a big play or two if he gets behind that Kansas State defense. Uh, and their tight ends are really good. Drake Dabney is somebody who I think is going to play at the next level as well. So I think that it would probably be a game where Baylor's able to protect well enough for Blake Shapin to get some passes off. Um, look, the pathway to them being competitive on defense is a little harder for me to see. I think that uh, I think that if, if you're Baylor 
you would rather right now see Will Howard than Avery Johnson because I think that uh, you want the ball moving through the air. You you want to have the opportunity to pin your ears back and and, and make the game easy for you. I don't think that Colin Klein is going to fall into that trap, but that's probably more the thing is, you know, if, if they start trying to uh, press and and get into the game with the pass, that's probably more what you'd be looking for. Because I think that Baylor has more ability to take advantage of that than they do to just block. Well, it should hopefully be a fun one for me on Saturday. Uh, we got a little bit of time. I'm going to ask a couple more uh, broader Big 12 questions before we get out of here. Because, again, you are the perfect voice uh, to cover, to write stories, uh, to talk about the Big 12. I know you talked about the entire college football landscape, but I'm claiming you as the voice of the Big 12 when it comes to uh, the Big J Journo. So the first one is, has the Big 12 this year lived up to the prophecy of being a super drunk and fun season in the conference? The first half, they they really tried to mess it up. They really, really tried to mess it up. But finally, in the second half of the year, it's happened. Obviously, last week, three games uh, between teams that were in first place. uh, And, you know, so things are actually coming down to the wire now in the Big 12. There are absolutely losable games remaining for Texas and Oklahoma. And, you know, I I think that Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State. So it's going to be, I think, a really, really good finish. And the other thing that you have to credit is... I remember over the offseason, both Josh Pay and Ari Temkin picked Oklahoma State to make the Big 12 title game, and everybody called them insane. Yeah, they need and a lot of credit. They they deserve a lot of credit, and I think that um, from that perspective, it, it would have been a real disappointment in the final year of Texas and Oklahoma, not, not for the top two to make it, because... It's like, you know, whatever. I, I know that a lot of Big 12 fans would not want Texas and Oklahoma playing in that game, but I think it would have been more of a disappointment to see it go that chalk, to, to see the top two teams in the conference ultimately come away. And so I think that the fact that Oklahoma State came from, I think they were picked like seventh in the Big 12 to now most likely, I mean, they have a pretty manageable pathway to make it to the Big 12 title game. The fact that a team that came out of nowhere and lost to South Alabama is going to be playing for a Big 12 title. I, I think that's a fitting way to go out. So Michigan State has a job opening. I think uh, K-State, Iowa State, and KU fans are always nervous when a Big Ten West job comes up. Zombie Matt Campbell, right when I, again, try to fire him, you know, I'm getting all my hot seat jokes off. Uh, He decides he's going to win a bunch of games. Uh, When it comes to the Michigan State job, should any of these three fan bases be worried? And then the follow-up, who should Michigan State hire and who will they hire? It's a good question. Um, I think that Kansas State probably shouldn't be worried at this point. Uh, Chris Kleiman came out pretty quickly and kind of said, eh, thanks, but no thanks. Um, You know, I think that Campbell is interesting. I don't think he'd get the job, but I'm, I'm curious to know how he's perceived by athletic directors at this point i think it's a little hard to get a handle on that because i i mean look i've i've told you before right i I view matt campbell as a top 20 coach but also there's a ceiling on what he does and so you know if you're if you're michigan state i think he's a name that you should consider if you're a kansas fan i think that lance leipold is going to be on the top of every list this offseason i i think that um you know obviously they signed him to a contract extension last year and the thing that i'll say is I think that they will try to fight back if 
Michigan State tries to money with him. I I don't know that every program in football is is poised to do that. Like I I, I don't know. You know, if 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 uh, Chris Kleiman got offered ten million dollars a year, you know, is is Kansas State. Well, is that something they could do? Did you hear what Gene Taylor said on Seren's show when he was asked that exact question? Seren made reference to it. Yeah. yeah. So, so Gene Taylor just said, "Hey, we'd shake his hand and wish him good luck." So, yeah. Which honestly, no. ten million. I mean, it's a lot of money. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I know K State's uh, finances, and you know they they run in the black and they take no subsidies from the state or students. Yep. It's all donor and revenue. So I'd say if if that's the aim, you have to do it. I. You know, I, I wonder what Bill Self would be thinking if all of a sudden he's looking <laughs> eye to eye with a, a guy who has one winning season at Power Five football. That would be wild. <laughs> no, and so I think that I think that the thing is right. So obviously, um, I mean, this is very much not a Kansas program, but uh, you know, I think that there's obviously money uh, in that Kansas athletic department, and I think that the other part of it too is they just locked up bill self to a perpetual contract for by the way over 10 million dollars that's nuts but um so i think that there would be a lot of desire especially with the amount of money that they're investing in their facilities right now to try and see whether lance Leipold will stick around I, th- if if michigan state offered 10 which i don't expect i think it's going to be more like eight um whenever they do make a higher maybe seven and a half I think that Kansas is going to say, we can get you close and we're building this whole thing around you. And, you know, maybe we'll give you a fully guaranteed contract. So I, I think that they'd be able to fight enough to make it interesting. But, you know, part of this comes down to, you know, what does Lance Leipold want? So it's an interesting question. If I if I was Michigan State, Lance Leipold would definitely be my hire. Uh and I think he probably will be the hire that they tried to make, but it's, I mean, this has been a really tough coaching search to try to to get a hold of because, I mean, there's just so many directions that they could go. Do you start to, you know, enter the, obviously you mentioned the big 12 coaches that I think will be under consideration. Do you start to look at somebody like Sean Lewis, who obviously would be a little bit more of a reach, but maybe it's a correct reach. Do you look at, I, I mean, I don't think that there's like a Matt coach that necessarily is next in line. Uh, or do you even look at, um, you know, something like Brian Hartline, right? The offensive coordinator at Ohio state, I, I, you know, I, I don't even know if he'd leave for that job, but it's one that I think that maybe you have to ask the question. So it's a tough search. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the one who has to be running it, but I, I think that Lance Leipold would be my pick. I got two more questions. If Lance Leipold were to leave, who should KU hire Sean Snyder, or Andy Kotalecki? <laughs> the latter. Definitely the latter. <laughs> and, the, and then the uh, final question, who wins the Big 12 in 2023? And uh, you know what? They start doing bracketology, you know, 14 months out. So I'm also going to ask who wins the Big 12 in 2024. <laughs> I won't hold you to it because I'm yeah, hoping yeah, yeah. K-State beats Baylor and <laughs> I don't end the show. And then I get you on again next summer where I'll get your official pick, but way too early <laughs> yes, 2024. Yes. And then uh, can Oklahoma State make all the big eight folks proud? <laughs> so I think so it's, I, I feel like it's going to be Texas Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game this year and there's absolutely no reason that Texas should not win that game but like I, I've just seen this movie before I'm sorry I've seen this movie before and I, I I do think that Texas is legitimately the best team in the league I've thought that since before the year I think that right now I think the fact that they lost to Oklahoma was criminal I, and, and like 
they have to get those red zone issues figured out. This is, and that's not a Malik thing. That's a Texas issue right now. And so I I do think that Oklahoma State is built to take advantage of that. The question that I have with Oklahoma State versus Texas is whether Ollie Gordon's going to be able to run at a high level against that defensive front. They're going to have to find a way to get the ball outside if uh, if they do. So, I mean, I think I have to say it's Texas, but I, I, I'm i sure they'll find some way to blow it. I've Again, I've seen this before. 2024. So I was actually asked a little bit about this on Salt Lake City Radio because obviously – uh you know there's a the most popular That's... guy in college and you never say no i tell you what you probably should start saying no but i'm so <laughs> glad you don't <laughs> maybe one of these days not not today though uh so i think that if i had to pick right now because i'm going to just for the moment assume that cameron rising might come back for uh for next year he might he might just end up going to the league and saying i've had enough college but but let's just say that he's back next year and also i think that they'll probably figure out something a little better than what they've got right now i think that utah would be my early favorites uh in 2024 in the big 12 you know kansas state's gonna have some attrition on their offensive line of course it's gonna be a little different um oklahoma state's gonna lose a quarterback i don't really like what they have behind him right this second you know, again, Kansas, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen with the with the whole quarterback situation and who's going to be leading them. So I, I think that right now I'd say Utah's the safest. But also, by the way, like Arizona under Noah Fafita is is going crazy. Uh, what? I, again, I kind of, you know, kind of was like, all right, you know, Arizona, whatever. What? And then you start turning on some of these games and you're like, well, yeah, what the heck? Because, you know, they're Dillingham falling, was kind they're of the, the darling coach down in Arizona. Right. And, you know, I think he'll figure it out. He'll get them respectable. But yes, I think too many yes. folks are sleeping on that hire, man. Yeah, I, it was one that you never know because there's so many coaches who come in and say we want to be an NFL development factory and it's just not how it works you know you can't recruit that way you can't develop that way I think that they've said that enough and made that pitch enough while also uh being modern enough on offense that it's worked and uh, dynamic enough defensively too by the way so I don't necessarily know that they're going to be a true contender for the Big 12 in 2024, but they're going to be a fun chaos team, I think. So, again, and I just can't imagine that that uh, all four of the Texas teams are also going to be bad in 2024 again. So one of them, I have to imagine, gets into the into the mix. But I think that Utah, for obvious reasons, frankly, is the safe pick in 2024 to win the league. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Arizona. Of course, the Big 12 with all their crazy scheduling – that's a non-conference home game for K-State versus Arizona as well. <laughs> right. uh, so I can't wait for it. Honestly, I love that they're doing that. Uh, maybe the next time we come on, we, we can talk about Big 12 conference scheduling. Uh, but that's all I have. Again, I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I was close. I was close. I didn't go over a ton. But uh, what do you want to tell K-State fans and the Boneheads if you want to say anything uh, before we wrap this up? Yeah, thanks as always for having me. You can always find my work uh, on Twitter. Twitter slash, uh, no, I'm calling it Twitter. It's Twitter. Yeah, it's, I'm <laughs> never going to call it X. I will never do it. <laughs> never. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Shahan J. Raja. You can find me, actually, I think I think on every platform, Shahan J. Raja. It's a pretty 
e- easy one to get, thankfully. Um, you can also listen to my podcast, The Cultural Bull Survivor Show, which we've come back in the last month. So make sure and check that out. And you can read all my work at cbssports.com. So I- I'm excited. Again, Soren and the boys are, are sending me some uh, some barbecue. And I'm curious. I-, I don't think I've ever had real Kansas City barbecue. Now, oh. it- don't you? I- I- isn't one of I- your buddies covering KU for the star? He is. He is. You need Man, I know. come I need to up make it here up. I for the Big 12 basketball tournament. And, and heck, come up early for the women's tournament. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I See, I'm I'm 31, about to turn 32, and my responsibility is a dog. Uh, you know, so I, I forget that, you know, some of you people out there have found love. Uh, shout out any, any, any <laughs> single ladies out there looking for love with a podcaster. Let me know. Shahan, you know, you know, I, I, I work remote. If there's anyone down there in Texas, you know, let, let me know. Uh, but yes, I, I forget that, that you, congratulations but, on that, by the way, congratulations on I, all I do, the personal I do need to professional success, but come up for the big 12 tournament. I, I do need to make it up. I, I really, really, really need to make it up. Yeah. Well, enjoy the barbecue that Seren sends you. I'm going to find a way to also try to buy your love with my sponsors as well. So thanks as always for coming on uh, boneheads. It's, it's been another fun week. Hopefully uh, you know, the round of games go better because honestly things could not have gone as bad as it did last weekend. So for Shahan, for my dog, Chauncey, my name's Scott McFarland. We love you guys and go cats. Hail to the
Social Podcast Network.